0: Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Together BHA. Uh, I am recording after the Everton game. Uh, We will have a match recap, of course, as always. Uh, Our guest this week uh, will be Tommy uh, from Portland, Oregon. I believe he's currently stationed. Um, So that's going to be a great conversation. Uh, Unpack that mess uh, that wasn't the greatest on Merseyside. Uh, But first... Let's cover some top stories of the week. There's actually quite a lot of stories this week, uh, albeit all rather smaller ones. Um, So first of all, let's start with Matt Ryan. Matty Ryan has uh, won the Australian Player of the Year Award. Uh, Not sure there are a great deal of uh, competition. Um, but it is the third time the goalkeeper has received the, the trophy or accolade or whatever it is that he gets given. Uh, he has previously won it in 2015 and 2019. Uh, I'm not sure who won it in between then. You would think probably just Aaron Moy, probably. And I don't know if anybody else really is even there or thereabouts. Um, so good for him. Well done. Deserved. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a better Australian player than Matty Ryan. So, you know, it makes total sense that he would be right there in amongst it. Next up is Tariq Lamptey. Uh, Tariq Lamptey is in the running for EA Sports Player of the Month. For those who are into the FIFA life, uh, that would mean he would be getting a very nice looking card uh, for Player of the Month. So, uh, if you are into the old FIFAverse, get on there, get voting, um, because that would be a very, very tasty right back card. Um, And not only that, but he would get an award for winning player of the month so why would you not want him to get that done uh you can vote um by going to the brighton Road of albion website actually um there is a news story on it and you can just click on the link to vote for Tarek, uh, or you can go to my twitter and i have also shared a link as well uh, as i have already voted for him obviously because he's the boy um talking of Tarek lamptey we actually have uh, a fair few other things to do with Tarek Lamptey and uh, a lot of youngsters in the Brighton squad. Um, England called up four uh, Albion players. Uh, so Tarek Lamptey, Rushworth, Weir and Roberts all involved uh, in younger sides. So Lamptey is uh, been selected for the under-21 side who uh, have two European Championship qualifiers Um Honestly, he doesn't look 100% fit, so I would not be sad if he does not play much, if at all. Um, I think he needs the rest. He's not been quite right since the Newcastle game. Uh, And then the under-20 squad has called up Carl Rushworth. um, And then the under-19s, I believe, have picked up Jensen Weir and Hayden Roberts. So good for them. Very happy to see it. Uh, That youth... Kind of conveyor belt is continuing to trot along nicely. Uh, you love to see it. So keep on coming. Um, I thought I was going to sneeze then. I was convinced. Oh, my goodness. Um, next up, Crystal Palace. Uh, next game for us is uh, coming up after the international break. Um, and that is the Palace game. We are going to be changing that. We are now going to be playing on Sunday, October 18th, my wedding anniversary. My wife will be delighted. Um, kick off at 2 p.m. Uh, British summertime, which will be 10. Nope, that's a lie. 9 a.m. Uh, U.S. Eastern, and then a nice early 6 a.m. for the U.S. West Coast. Uh, and then, you know, wherever else you're living, you can you can do the maths. Um Important games coming up, Palace and West Brom. Uh, with the current, you know, the start in four games, they were never going to be easy. Um, we did everything we could. Uh, so now is the time to uh, get that get that shit together, really. Um, it was also a surprise not to see anybody called up for the main England squad. No Lewis Dunk, as per usual, um, but nobody else as well. Pretty disappointing. Uh, disappointed but not surprised, I think, is probably the best way of putting it. Uh, hopefully one day uh, the the players, you know, even if they have to leave and go somewhere bigger than us and get some recognition, but it's it's a piss take these days. So I suppose we shouldn't be shocked. Um, but as per usual, uh, England have snubbed everything about Brighton and Albion And onwards and upwards. Martin Perry. Uh, Albion executive director uh, is retiring. I believe he probably retired Friday as it said he was uh, retiring at the end of the week. Um, He is one of the last of the legends uh, that dragged us kicking and screaming into, you know, the new world. Um, He was one of those people that were there throughout the the fights, the struggles, the wars. Um, You know, we had... Martin was a was a prominent uh, figure in the in the negotiations with the scumbag Bill Archer. Um, that takeover was conducted with a lot of work from Martin uh, and of course Dick Knight. Um, and he, you know, he campaigned for the last God knows how many years, what twenty years or so, um, campaigning for Flawmer. Um, he was our chief executive, uh, and you know, I think he's just an absolute legend uh you can't really um knock anything he's done he's done everything he could for the club um and you know what a guy what a guy um it will be a uh, it'll be a sad time to see him go but he's you know he's earned his retirement so Uh, good for him. You love to see it. Uh, He has been made an honorary life vice president um, and is continuing his role uh, as chair of the board of trustees in the Army and in the community. So good for him. Enjoy your retirement. Enjoy your rewards. Um, And just never forget, he's an absolute legend. Um, Truly, truly a legend. And if it wasn't for him, uh, you know, there's a large chunk of work that wouldn't have been done that we may not be here. So Thank you very much Mr Perry what a legend um, final final spots before we get on to uh, the Everton game and a look ahead to the international break and Palace after the fact uh, final couple of stories of the week incomings and outgoings uh, first of all Victor Gayacarez Gayacarez Guecarez however you say it uh, has headed out to Swansea on loan uh, love it actually 22 years old, uh, Swedish international, Um, he's played a couple of games already this season, he's match fit, Um, I think he is very much in the mould that we need to see him going out on loan as soon as possible to a team like, you know, a championship team like Swansea, Um, this is going to be his moment. Uh, if he goes ahead and and kicks ass, then you would think he's probably going to be a player that we will utilize next year. Um, if he is not quite up to it at championship standard, uh, you would think that will probably be the end of the road for for Victor as an Albion asset. Um, so this is a big year for him, big year. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to keep our not keep an eye on. Uh, I will definitely be. Watching you closely, Victor. Um, I think a lot of Albion fans will be taking a real interest in in how you progress here. Um, Because you showed uh, enough to keep me interested in the Carabao Cup. So let's see how it goes uh, in the coming weeks and months at Swansea City. Hopefully you get a lot of game time. Um, You can slot in and start scoring goals. Incoming though. uh, We have had some incomings this week. Uh, Young midfielder... German Youth International joined from Borussia Dortmund, uh Rader Kadra on undisclosed terms. Uh you would expect it'll be probably very cheap. Um, he will be going straight into the club under-23 squad. Uh no doubt he is a developmental player. Uh, probably a year or two in the under-23s is the expectation. Um You know, he's he's a player that uh, offers a lot of a lot of attributes according to Simon Rusk, can play in midfield, can play as an attacking role. Uh, we need those kind of players, so be interesting to see if anything comes of him. Um, it is quite strange to note that almost all of our youth products that are coming through the system are all English or, you know, Irish, UK, British, Irish. It's weird because we've invested a lot in scouting around random countries, Scandinavia. Holland, uh, Germany, whatever, and bringing in these players and none of them seem to ever really make it. So hopefully he can be one of those players that uh, kicks kicks the trend, bucks the trend, bucks the trend. That's the word. Um, final story. Before we get to the, the, the game review and, and taking a look uh, at the Carabao Cup and, and the Everton game. Um, Albion have signed a striker. He will join the first team squad. Andy Naylor, you don't know a lot. Um, stop clickbaiting. Uh, he will be joining after coming over from Lausanne, Lausanne Sport uh, in Switzerland. They were promoted last season. Uh, he was heavily influential in that promotion. Um, he is signing on until June 2024 on undisclosed terms. Rumor is somewhere around three to five million for the young man. Uh, he is only 21. Uh, we are very excited. He's slightly more of an aerial monster uh, than anybody else. And um, played a lot of minutes last year in the Swiss second division. So who knows how that means? Um, had one hundred and thirty nine shots, twenty four goals, uh, seven assists. Twenty. He was he was uh, a decent player at that level. Very good. Too good, frankly, for that level. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how he adapts to a monumental step up in quality uh, from the from the team he was at prior. Uh, if he can come on and, and contribute in the way Connolly did last year, it would be a huge signing just to add that extra dimension. Um, so we shall see how he how he does. He now has an entire international break to relax a little bit and get used to the the uk and and the albion and he's got two weeks of betting in uh before he possibly is is looking at a, a bench spot um as you know if you look back at the everton game today uh we had no striker on the bench no attacking option um other than McAllister and and gross uh, and lalana and, and none of those are goal scorers so uh, we need one and i expect it'll be him Um, Between now and the time you listen to this, we'll have had a couple of extra days, uh, but the transfer window is slamming shut uh, in the coming days. It will close, uh, I believe, on Monday, the 5th of October at 11pm. So, by the time you listen to this, it should be closed or just hours away. Um, You know, we'll be in that final stretch and I cannot wait because I hate the transfer window because Brighton never do anything. So, uh, glad we signed a striker. Let's hope he's at least partly an answer um, because we've let Gear Carers go uh, on loan. Um, I still believe we could do with one or two more recruits, um, but if Potter's happy with what he's got and he really truly thinks that this is good enough, uh, then, you know, we'll see. So, next up, Everton Review um, with our guest Tommy, and we will take a look at the uh, the game at Goodison um, and kind of review it, chat about it and take a look at what we would uh, like to see uh, happen in the international break uh, and in preparation for Palace and West Bromwich Albion in the the coming weeks. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners uh, and give them a little bit of a kind of backstory about you, your support of the Albion um, and just anything else you want to throw in there really?
1: Yeah, no, again, thanks for, thanks for having me. So, um, yeah, so, uh, name's Tommy Jarvis. I live out in, in, uh, Portland, Oregon, um, and I grew up, uh, in the Bay area, but, um, the, the relevant stuff is I, um, had an opportunity to, um, do a year abroad in England when I was at uni in California. And then, um, uh, just for sheer luck, and uh, mainly because I was a Californian going to uh, England, which um, was stereotypically not uh, Californian weather. I figured I'd go as south as humanly possible in England. Uh, no one didn't want to be in London proper, so um, I just lucked out to end up at uh, University of Sussex. Um, and so then the the Brighton story. So that was when I was like twenty, twenty one um then as I kind of mentioned to you earlier you know back then it was it was difficult to watch you know any sort of proper football um we would occasionally get a match that was yeah uh, it was predominantly just Arsenal or Man U so most um you know uh English football fans in the States had to kind of pick either one of those two, um, since they were the top <laughs> clubs at the time. Um, and so, uh, I showed up to Sussex as a, you know, as a quasi, you know, soft man, you fan, um, uh, all of the mates that I, I played on the, 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 um, university club team and they were all from North London. So they were all Arsenal fans giving me a hard time about, you know, claiming to have some sort of menu um solidarity. But again, I I just, you know, uh, watch for, you know, some good football. Anyway, it was a um the porter at the at the uh, resident hall that I was in um had his office just decked out in Brighton gear. And so um I just started talking to him. He's nicest guy, and just we would just chat about everything. But it just constantly turned to to talking football, and he would he was giving me all of the the stories around um, you know Brighton's history. And the and at that time, so this was 2000, um, 99 and two thousand. So the first year at the Withy, and I remember, I, I believe. And he was telling me all about the bankruptcy and the Goldstone Ground, and he was telling me the history of going there as a kid and with his dad, and and the Peter Ward era, and that's what I was so great about hearing the the Peter Ward um, podcast that you did.
0: Yeah, and he's out he's out here in the states as well, isn't he? Soaking up yeah, the sun in Florida. Florida's yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anytime you, uh, line up a reunion, um, with him, please. invite. Him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely will. <laughs> top class guy. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if this is relevant, but I just, so I ended up, um, um, just kind of getting excited about the story. And so I, I was like, I'm just going to go, you know, that weekend. tonight. so, um, short little trip out to the with Dean paid my five or six quid to go out, um, whatever it was then. And, um, Lo and behold, I mean, it started off kind of ominous. We gave up a goal in the first minute against, you know, Plymouth Argyle, I think it was. Um, And the guy, and I thought he came, I don't know if he started, I I believe he did. But anyway, on a few initial touches, um, the guy sitting next to me was like, oh, you got to watch out for that kid. We just picked him up on loan. So it was Bobby Zamora's first uh, match day. And he scored later on the second half and went on to draw the match. And um, anyway, so just traded stories with um, this guy in the dorm room from, from time to time. And then when I would come back and visit Brighton, you know, the next year they got promoted and the following year they got promoted. And and um, and so that took off. So it was the, you know, the Kerry Mayos and the Sidwells and, um, and some of those folks and, you know, in uh, the Mickey Adams was, I think that the the manager of those first years. Yep. And I just became right. hooked. Um, and you know, would periodically be able to grab if they were playing in the FA Cup against someone decent. I could go down to a a pub either in in San Francisco or when I was up here in Portland and. Um, And, uh, kind of the rest is history. And so then, you know, in the years where they were knocking on the door for promotion, the premier league were, were pretty fun. They were on TV more and I would go over and, um, be able to view when I was go back to England and, and started, started, you know, just being an evangelist for all the other Americans out here that had followed the kind of the same path of like, I don't know, I kind of like Liverpool, you know, um, and so they kind of started to glom on to Brighton's story and have um, some friends that can retell the, the Robbie Reinald kind of era you know, stories and, and the like. So anyway, it's probably longer than you would expect it. But that was that, um, that put kind of the Brighton blue in the, in the blood over the last 20 years.
0: No, that's really cool, though. I mean, a lot of the American fans we've had on, and you probably will know given that you've listened, like, a lot of them are very new. You know, like if yeah. they have, if they've started following the team before 2010, that they're, they're considered, you know, old guard at this point. So for you to pop in, you know, that this time, you know, the early 2000s where we, we certainly weren't an attractive prospect at all. Um, and you hung on throughout the with Dean years. And, you know, I can't imagine how much more difficult it would have been to get games over here uh, or even really know what the hell was going on, really. Um, cause you know, the internet wasn't all, it was, all it is now. Um, so like fair play, like sticking it out throughout that entire thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening going, well, you, you stick up more than I would have as a kind of neutral, so massively fair play to you.
1: Yeah. I'm probably one of the few, um, American, um, regular readers of the Argus, uh, online from <laughs> the last few years. So, um, I, I get my, my fix by reading some of the comments, uh, sections. So it does, it does help (laughs) having that perspective, right. To your point, um, versus just the the last three or four or five years. So it's, it's nice, um, to be honest to have that struggle of the almost promotions and then the ups and downs through the middle kind of tiers And, and then, you know, because of four, I went to uni out there i I followed along to the the uh, the history or the just the actual story of, of getting the Amex built as well out you know uh, near you know on the other side of the highway from the university. So so that was when I'd go visit, you could see it under construction. Um, so that was that's been part of my kind of uh, my journey as well. So
0: yeah, that's pretty cool though. Um, I guess let's hop on to the Brighton Manchester United game. Uh, ESPN Plus, five bucks a month. Uh, I know that you and I were both subscribed for that. Um, And with the fact that we had Carabao Cup games every week, we got our money's worth quite well, actually. Uh, Two games in the month, so $2.50 each game. I'll take that. Uh, Not going to spend a huge amount of time on it because we were trashed 3-0 and we barely played any of our first team. Um, But... Anybody stand out to you? Any kind of incidents stand out to you? What was your kind of take on that game uh, midweek against United?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think the thing that initially stood out was the this, this starting back three with having, you know, Duncan in, in, uh, and, um, and White uh, kind of joining Byrne. So trying to kind of gleam something from that a little bit. So it was a bit of a, you know, half of a foot in of trying to kind of, you know, grab it um, and grab the victory. I don't know. I also kind of sensed that Potter may have felt like this is the stage of as far as he wanted to go from, a, from this League Cup perspective. He got um, a number of some of the young young uh, players to get out there. Now you can see some of them going on loan or back to the under 23s. And so, I mean, overall, I think you can call the, the three matches, uh, a success. It's obviously much preferable to, to win. Um, yeah. And then, you know, there's little bits that you see. I mean, I, I don't think anything jumps out as far as anybody else besides the regular 11 starters that played like, uh, Duncan white, um, that maybe have a, that are knocking on the door of getting in the first team, um, Ali Razor for sure. But I mean, it belongs in the, you know, in the, the kind of the top 18, but, um, but he's still at times, it feels like he's destined to be out of that first 11. He works hard. Um, (laughs) he needs to be a part of the squad. Everyone loves him, obviously. And he works so hard. You can sometimes they see him overthinking it. Um, I'm not sure how bad the little, the, the hamstring injury is, but, um, and yeah, my, I even, the, the kind of thing I was thinking was your needs, you know, some time kind of slamming around with people in the championship. Um, and it sounds like that's where he's headed if I believe, but, um,
0: Yes. Yeah, it was confirmed. I think it was yesterday it was confirmed. He, he has officially gone to Swansea on loan. So he is exactly like you said, gets to slam around in the championship, the same as Malumbi did last year. And I think that did him the world of good. So he will good, uh, yeah, he'll be heading yeah. out to Swansea.
1: Yeah. And what did you, I mean, I thought he seemed really comfortable, um, to be honest, Malumbi. that is. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts were, but he also stood out. I thought Steele seems... More stout than than Button from last year, so it's a bit of an upgrade. But
0: yeah, um, I I totally agree with you. Uh, I think Malombi looked excellent. He looked so relaxed on the ball. Um, he looked so confident. I thought. I think that on one hand, I would like him to stay and play a part in that eighteen. On the other hand, I I would like him to continue developing. I, I'm not sure how many times we're going to need him uh, with you know like Proper and Pitsuma and although I suppose Dale Stevens has gone now, so. I'm not sure how he's going to play into that role, but I think he's probably the main one out of, you know, all of them in the Carling Cup over the last three games that have stepped up, and I've thought, like, yep, he's definitely one that can continue stepping further and further up. Uh, Razor, I feel the exact same way as you, so that's one of those ones, but I think Malumbi stepped out. And another thing for me, I'd like that was really reassuring and nice to see. And I'm not sure if you felt the same way, but just how easily pretty much every single player in that 11 can immediately slot in and play the same style of football that we play in the first 11. Like they all look so comfortable playing that kind of potter ball as they call it. Um, But it's so, it seems so natural now. Yeah, that's well said, Josh. I
1: think, um, you know, that especially in the, obviously in the FA cup and league cup last year, we looked like eleven guys just trying to break into the top squad, just kind of off on their individual um, efforts. Whereas spot on as far as, especially in the first two matches, the um, of the of this cup, they um, it, it looked like um, they could have been. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it looked like they could have easily been a first first team in the championship that was, you know, pushing for promotion, right? So um, a, a lot of uh, good, uh, decent talent, maybe not, you know, all 11 in the Premier League talent, but, but they were playing a good system. So, yeah, I agree with you.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think you're right when you talk about it in like a comparison to the championship. I can see that 11 that we've pretty much consistently played throughout the, the the Carabao Cup to be a, a, a comfortable mid-table championship team if not better with the way they played which is good for us if the worst was to happen um because obviously it'll be significantly better than that because we won't sell everybody um yeah. so that's reassuring to know that players can step in and, and be so good um but onto the kind of main event of the week not uh not the greatest one for you to come onto and have a recap of. <laughs> uh considering the first three games of the season, you know, I think we've played pretty well all the way throughout. But I think this was probably the first uh kind of stinker we put up uh this week against Everton. Um just before we go into kind of the individual moments and everything that went on, uh what was your Thought feeling concerned going into this game. Did you did you think that we could take something away? I know we have historically a bit of a crap record at Everton. I don't think we've ever won. But how were you feeling pre-game?
1: Yeah, um, personally, I have a enjoyable history from an Everton perspective. Um, there was it's been a, a casualty of COVID, but there's a amazing kind of. Um, uh, uh, pub here in, in Portland that, um, called the Toffee club, obviously you can tell what kind of club they were supporting. Um, <laughs> but had some good experiences of being, uh, one of one or two Brighton supporters in there on a Brighton victory day. Um, like the one we snatched from early in the year last year. So, um, and so I've got some good friends that, su- that support Everett. And so I was, I was hoping it would be something similar, but, um, yeah, in the first thirty minutes, um, it looked like there were a number of you know our yellow shirts that didn't have a huge desire to be out there. I don't know if it was the torrential rain and wind and and the like, but there the energy level and the tenacity from from uh, from Brighton was not comparable to. You could just tell Everton wanted it more. Um, now that also changed uh, on the goal on the Pickford air, I thought then we picked it up. Unfortunately, then we've become way too predictable and, and how things are going to turn poorly, um, around. I think you've brought it up a number of times on this podcast of those quick goals right after, you know, the quick concession right after scoring, um, and the, the unfortunate part of the simplicity of the goals we're giving up as well. So uh, at that point, I'd kind of lost hope going into halftime. But I don't know what your thoughts were in the first 45. But.
0: Yeah, I, I felt the same way as you. I I felt like Everton are in an insane form, right? Like they're just killing it out there. And I was a little bit worried about it. Um, and then to concede so early and to a set piece was just infuriating. Um so then, when we got that goal back, it felt a little bit like a gift—the Mopai goal. Uh, Pickford is continuing to reassure me that he should not be England's number one. Although Pope, Pope did not do me any favors because I thought he should be, and then he was an absolute calamity of errors yesterday too. Um, but when we got, when we conceded that corner on like the forty-sixth minute, or, or you know, like right before halftime, I. I legit said to the TV screen and sometimes I wish I was like those like 16 year old YouTubers that video themselves watching the game. Cause I said, I said, Yeri Mina's going to score this. No one's touching him. No one's on him. And sure as shit, Yerry Mina just wandered through the defense and just nodded the ball in. And like, it's so predictable that it's infuriating to see it, you know, yeah. like, I remember tweeting at halftime, six of our eight goals we conceded this season were from set pieces. And when you have a team with Ben White, Lewis Dunk, Webster, all at the back, like you shouldn't be letting in that many goals from a set piece. What What do you, like, how do you think that we can get better at that? It seems that it's individuals losing their men.
1: Um, It, it very much is. I mean, it's... Um, uh... <laughs> It was, um, you know, I, you, you've played growing, up, but going from different levels of the game, um, especially when going to play at university in California, they um, uh, that was some of those things of of the little pieces on, a, you know, it's a simple kind of pull of a shirt or you know a, a, a properly placed kind of forearm. I'm not one of those. I um, that. You know, lament like, "Oh, if we only had, you know, Duffy back or something like that." I think the system we play is in much better hands with um, with Webster and White and, and others moving forward. But that's a bit of what he provided. The you could tell in that match and, and a few others the lack of just kind of putting your body in in the way um, it at the same time i mean i i think a couple years the last year of Houghton's year or we had the same issue with giving up set piece goals and we're not a team that can afford to do that with any frequency and so i think it can be corrected and changed and so i don't know you know i'm not going to i'm not someone that is going to try to question a premier league level uh coach, I I would assume Potter's going to be working it for the next two weeks before the next match. And, um, I, I will say it looked like the first, it was the first match that I'd seen in a while that not only in those pieces are set pieces as well. Um, I'm sure you'll get into the what we, whatever we were doing from a corner kick per, perspective, but it I was did actually
0: going to ask you about that. You took the words out of my mouth. Like on the other side of the pitch, how did you feel? Because I was just like shaking my head at the screen. <laughs> well, we just—I
1: was going to say—we just—it it was the first time I would felt like we had been outcoached um, as well. I mean, the, the players have to be up to it as well. Oftentimes you go in; they must have seen something the way Everton sets up and defends or counters on corners, and they felt like let's do some some sort of possession. But man, right after the 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 Pickford error, you know, I can remember the days when Pickford was the best player in Everton, and now he looked like the worst. So I mean, I don't know why you were just peppering uh, balls in the box for the rest of the. So it was not only that, but it was a it was. Um, as well as I thought Sully Marsh was playing, we weren't putting many balls, dangerous balls in the box throughout. So I don't know if it was, I didn't see, you know, I didn't see any sort of adjustment. So anyway, it goes to, there must've been some game plan. It didn't work. It didn't seem like an adjustment. And, um, and some of those, che- those kind of chess like moves, you just get beat on certain days, but yeah, it was, dis- it was, it was the predictability side of it. of was like, Oh, we're gonna go back. We're gonna try this one for the seventh time. So
0: yeah, like you should. To me, like you should just. You should never take a corner that results in your goalkeeper having possession. Like that's just wild <laughs> to me. Like that just should never happen. Um, I think they stop setting the bar so high, there, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, though. I think I think they obviously saw something, and he kept trying to like bang his head against the wall and make that thing happen, but. Uh, in regards to the way you were saying it's an interesting point that you brought up in that you said that maybe he was trying to do that to, you know, offset a certain counter attack ability they have, Um, which is funny because that's exactly how we went on to concede the next two goals, right? Like we went on to concede two counter attacks that left Hammers like wide open on the back post, uh, almost kind of carbon copies of of the goal. Um, I think Alzate was fouled in the fourth goal, in my opinion, to win the ball back. Um, but it doesn't take away that it was it was poor all around. I think. Um, what did you What did you think about, or how do you think? What is our weak link when it comes to conceding so many counter attacks? Um, do you think it is a a defensive shape? Do you think it is a lack of? Uh, confidence slash youth in that midfield or do you think it's a lack of hold up and outlet up top
1: yeah um i, I mean usually your 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 first is to unless there's a major um air on a, a, a long ball or, or something like that or um defenders are are playing off their man enough and that wasn't the case um usually the culprits are going to be somewhere in the midfield. So you know, oftentimes it might be innocent, right? Where you've got, um, you got wingbacks flying up and now you're just, you're out, outmanned. Um, that's one piece of it. It, it did look like there wasn't much of a defensive strength um, in the center of the pitch most of the day. I thought Alzate looked Quite outmatched. I think the yellow card early on probably hurt. Um, I it, mean, um, it, besides what we should all just take away from the match was which was Basuma's goal at the end, and then and just pretend we we you know we just <laughs> next week and be like, hey, we are the last ones to score, we win.
0: Um, yeah, next goal uh, wins. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: cool. I thought it was a pretty poor um, defensive game from. Even when you look at the fourth goal, if I remember, you know, and at that point when Lelano was in there, um, he was, um, wasn't on was obviously put in from a, a defensive substitution, but he was just kind of a no man's land. You know, there wasn't anybody within 20, 30 yards of Rodriguez. So it was um, – that's just lack of, you know, kind of picking picking your man up. So whether that's shape or out of play or just lack of concentration at that point, um, they will know, I guess all you can do is just hope, you know, it goes to the predictability of how we give up goals. You just want to, you want to see people learning (laughs) and and that's Potter's big thing, right? That's why we're not spending, it's just trying to, and so these are going to happen with Elzate and Basuma and others is just, they're going to be on the wrong side of a, of a, of a school lesson from time to time and so
0: yeah i think that's fair um so out of the out of the players you saw um are there any people that stood out to you as as not not awful but just who were the who were the disappointments this week as uh, those kind of those any players that stood out to you that you thought uh, oh, like i expected a lot better of you who had a stinker yeah, again, I thought
1: um, – um, I thought – I'm, I'm kind of picking on Alzate just just um, maybe unfairly, but there wasn't a lack of kind of coordination between him and Basuma of, of who was going to – they didn't defend well enough to deal with the lack of offensive firepower from either of them during the day as well. So they should have had at least one of them locked down the, – the one that I keep thinking about as well, I want you know, get your opinion on it as well as, as, as much as I, I like Aaron Connolly, and he, um, and he provides a lot, you know, it goes to the Ali razor side of the, the hustle side of things. And you, you can't diminish that. He just seems like, and I don't know if it's the, the form. It just doesn't seem like, or the formation rather, it doesn't seem like he is, an answer for us at this point. Um, and I don't know if it's because now we're, we don't really have a true number 10 or, not, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what the answer is. Again, I'm just kind of, I don't want to be questioning the the likes of Premier League kind of managers. Um, he just doesn't seem to be used as well as he could, or maybe someone there should be a different, um, player in a different role um i don't know if that that stood out to you i just kept it was more of a kind of i I, you know i something doesn't feel right i don't know what it is and it seems right in that area and so a bit of an unknown to me but i'm not sure what your thoughts are
0: yeah no i like i would i would agree with that i also thought that trossard was incredibly poor yesterday i think he had a he had a fair amount of the ball but like he did nothing with it um But Connolly, I think, got away from my view because I felt the same way about Alzate. I thought he was poor. um, And I think that early yellow card totally threw him off his game and he didn't adapt very well at all. Um, And to me, I feel Trossard stood out as one of the really poor players. I think that he was kept, he was out of position a few times. He didn't do his defensive job very well. And when he attacked, he wasn't superb either in... When you mentioned Connolly, I realized that like, I barely even thought about him, which is probably worse <laughs> than, than thinking someone was bad. Uh, I just looked up his stats. He had 11 touches on Saturday, which is far worse than anybody else on the team, like significantly. Adam Lalana and Pascal, Pascal Gross came on in the 81st minute and had 18 touches. Um, Aaron Connolly played four passes and only one of them was accurate. So he had an absolute stinger. I didn't realize how poorly he had played um, because he had literally just gone under the radar for me because he was that anonymous. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that him and Mopai almost play, they feel similar in that I feel that both of them would play better next to a big guy, like that classic like little and large formation type thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it, right? And I think um, – and maybe it's just that Lallana's not match fit and to play a full 90, and so they're making do. Um, you know, maybe they don't feel like they want to – and maybe it was just because they were playing Everson on the front foot where they didn't feel like they wanted to push Basuma or Alzate up, but there was just – a massive gap in the center offense offensively and defensively that just really stood out. Um, and to your point, um, uh, Troushard may have, he may like to try to be a 10, but he just, he liked to, to kind of control, but to your point, he, he was not cutting it at all. So.
0: And I thought he has been really good this season. Like personally, I think he'd done, I mean, he was, like dreadfully unlucky last week. Um, But this week he was just, I think he was kind of like the perfect performance in a vacuum as to how we played yesterday. Like we, we looked all right, but we just didn't produce anything at either end. Um, But man of the match, we've got to pick one. However, (laughs) however, however hard one it may well be. Uh, Who was your man of the match or just, you know, even just one or two people that stood out as, having good performances despite the the poor performance overall as a team.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I, I thought it was Solly. Um, so I thought Solly Marsh was was the one that... Um, he both carried some of that old school Brighton. This is the level of intensity it took us to get promoted and stay up for a couple years. Um, he tracked back relatively well and he was the bulk of any sort of offensive push. Um, so again, in a day that, Hey, right. It, they're all humans still, right. Um, we can't control them with a joystick. Um, as, as off as we sort of seem to be, you know, um, there were plenty of other, um, you know, folks sitting with a Man U jersey or Liverpool jersey this weekend that, um, Were even more off. Right. And you wouldn't expect it from them. So I, I, you know, overall, I thought it, um, there's, we can talk about it later, but there's, um, there was nothing that stood out like, Whoa, we have to get rid of this person or what is this person doing on the pitch? All that said, I think Solly was the only one that stood out as, um, someone kind of screaming, you know, jump on my back. Let's try to get back into this thing. So.
0: Yeah, unanimous decision. I had solomon March as well, uh, especially when he was playing the wingback role. I think he's just doing a fabulous job. I thought he was great at the beginning of last season at that left wingback role, and he got hurt, and it never quite became the same. Um, but I think he's doing a great job, and I think it was very noticeable that at halftime, Lampy went off. Um, I don't know how, what you think about the Lamptey situation. I think that he's never quite recovered from the Newcastle game where he got a knock. And I think that they've been trying to manage him ever since. Um, but Solly, as soon as we went to halftime and we changed to four at the back and we have Veltman at right back and then we had Webster at out kind of kind of as a left back and then like Duncan White in the middle. That was when you saw two goals identical manner and Rodriguez ghosting around the back. And when we had that three at the back with Rodriguez, I don't think Rodriguez is getting anywhere near it because Solly March was all over him in that first half. And as soon as it became, you know, a different game with a different formation after the substitution and, and the move with Lanty, I think it became the Hammers Rodriguez show. Well, and that's, what's so tragic about um, that second goal
1: before halftime, is that um, if there's been a consistent um, theme around Everton over the years, is they can be a team that lacks any sort of, you know, heart for a club is kind of as um, well known as them. Um, you know, no slight to my Everton friends, but that's that that always just jumped out as me is like, how can they play so well against top teams and just fold against smaller clubs? Um, and so when we were back in it, you could almost sense, and it, it was going to take some something else. So giving up that goal, it, it it also then stretches us out, right, in in positions that we didn't have the luxury of. You know, somebody like Solly probably staying up higher than he should have, or something to that extent. Um, so that's why those score lines get so frustrating when we concede so quickly. Um, but uh, but yeah.
0: yeah, I agree. Um- so, overall, bad day at the office. I think they could, uh, I think they have a lot to work on. I think you're spot on in that uh, the majority of the next two weeks will most certainly be working on defending and attacking set pieces. Um, I think they have plenty of work to do there. Uh, before we wrap up, I did have uh, two more topics because we're going into the international break. Uh, usually I would do a kind of look ahead, um, but we have no idea what Palace are going to do or how it's going to look. So, I'm going to leave that. Uh, international break coming up um, transfer window closing pretty much 24 hours from now actually, we're recording at about the time it's going to be closing down Um, question number one would you like us to see any more, make any more moves in the market, we have just signed Zakiri, the striker from the Swiss side Um, so is he going to be kind of the last man in Um, and second question is i forgot what i was going to ask you let's go with question one and i'll try to remember question two (laughs) transfer window would you like to see any more moves well it was funny the um you've probably seen it
1: um over here you've lived in the states long enough i don't know if you've you know following baseball but there'll be times in the middle of a baseball game where they'll pull a you know, someone in front, literally he'll be on the field and they'll pull him back in the dugout and it's because he was just traded like on the, the eve or the cusp of the, the trade deadline. And so when Lampy didn't come back out at halftime, um, I'd never been so happy to hear that might have been a slight muscle pull that they just wanted to be like, you know, overly uh, cautious with. Because my initial reaction was like, "Oh shit! They just transfer- They just uh, sold him somewhere."
0: God, could um, you imagine that would be a nightmare? <laughs> that Would have been a
1: nightmare. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have to take your expertise on the on the security on the Shakiri, um, if I'm pronouncing his name right, on what that means. If that's just, hey, we signed someone to hopefully play for us you know in the carabao cup next you know fall i don't know or or if it's a first a potential first team kind of signing i i have always bought into and this goes a little bit of the history i've kind of told you know about you know kind of growing up since you know i was 20 as far as the last 20 years um, as a brighton fan where i'm very comfortable, and I see a beautiful kind of history of of this kind of incremental progression and just a kind of consistent commitment to progress. We've all seen too many teams that have gotten overextended, let alone during a pandemic, where um, you know in, even in pre-pandemic where they get overextended they have a couple injuries from their star players. They go down, have to sell anybody to stay solvent. And now they're, you know, traveling on a bus, you know, in the third tier, you know, currently. And we watched them in Premier League. So that would be my biggest fear is getting overextended. And, um, and maybe it's just because of, you know, the first stories I heard were the Gillingham stories and the, having watched my first match at, with Dean. So, so a long-winded way of saying I'm not in a hey let's spend a bunch of money type person and I think pot the whole reason they brought Potter in is to develop a club because then you get to start that the hope is then whether it's you know this year even potentially or in the next few years you you do oh you do extend out a little bit find a, a striker that you know that can kind of, you know, light up the scoreboard, or or whatever the position is. And now you're knocking on a European place, right? You're knocking on the top six, seven places in the table. Um, that said, I was, you know, flipping pancakes for the little girls this morning, watching the, the Villa Liverpool match, wondering like, oh, it, could this be if you just spend a little bit on a striker. So (laughs) I will, you probably are much more well-versed in who is potentially out there and what the ranges are. I, I, I like what I see. I think the parts that are missing is a little bit of the, a little bit of that old, if we can take the style we have now, add a little Chris Hutton, like just throw our body into it and, and, uh, I think they hopefully learned a lot by watching how Everson was flying at the ball. And I think we've done that really well in the first, you know, three matches of the season. So it's, it's, we're capable of it. Um, anyway, that was my long winded dance around your, uh, <laughs> I would love to you hear their, your thoughts on it. I mean, generally as a, as a listener to the podcast and just in conversation right now, but,
0: yeah, I think I'm on the same boat as you because I mean that's when I was that's when I was brought into the fold too. It was like 97, 98. We were right in the middle of the struggles. It was, you know, that year that Reinelt scored that saved our mm-hmm. lives. You know, that it was that year that I I first came into it seven years old. So, like part of me remembers having that growing up around the Manchester United fans, around the Leicester fans, around you know all of these big fans that were fans of big teams and. But there's also a part of me that is like, we've got to have some money, man. Like people are spending a lot. Like we know what we need. Like we need a striker at least unless zakiri is the answer or they think he is the answer. Um, I know just about as much as you do. Um, with the fact that you played in the Swiss second division, there isn't a huge amount of, you know, numbers on the guy. He's just this kind of unknown entity, which I wonder if will help a little bit too um, with the team's, you know, around us not having any kind of uh yeah. in the u.s as as kind of those u.s uh sports with the nfl and that say like they have no game tape on him so i i wonder if that's going to help somewhat but it's it's tough because I'm, I'm stuck between desperately wanting us to go out there and make some moves and then at the same time I, I desperately don't want us to look like Huddersfield or stoke or middlesbrough that are hanging on at the bottom of the championship or worse so
1: yeah and I even I mean this I'm obviously i'm'm I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a um, a homer in this question as far as all in for Brighton, but I mean, when you take a step back from the the game by game, I mean, there are not many other clubs in England that I would rather you know um, be associated with right now. I mean, the way that Brighton conducted themselves through the initial kind of lockdown. I know I had a match ticket to go watch them play Man U in the spring, you know, and what they did with some of the local um, charitable foundations with the, the ownership and the management. Um, I mean, you can ask yourself a bunch of hypotheticals. I wouldn't want some like, you know, Russian oil magnet to buy at Brighton and, and dump 200 pounds into 200 million pounds into the, into the club. I mean, sure. It'd be, it would be weirdly fun, but that, that would, you know, you couldn't, it would not be fun to, you know, there are a whole host of teams kind of near the, they're always sitting in the top 10 that I, I just, am I feel you know, blessed that I'm not a fan of those, those clubs, you know? Yeah. Um, and so this, this is our lot in life, Josh. And it's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful, I think it's a great spot and we'll be able to, and you know, I, I, I think of it as inevitable that we are going to have, that we will, you know, have a season where we slip into that last seven or eight and get to play, you know, in Europa League, you know, hopefully for a few weeks. And who knows when that will be, Um, you know. um, And so I I feel like we're on the the right path. And so I I guess um, we have to be trusting. It'd be nice if this kid out of Switzerland is that, you know, is a Jamie Vardy type who was, you know, (laughs) playing in non-league football and then all of a sudden, you know, scores 30 goals, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, he's a great example of it can happen. Like Bobby Zamora the same. Like he, you know, he pops up out of Rochdale and then goes on and, you know, becomes a Premier League striker. So it it can happen. Um, And we'll just have to see. Uh, I do consider Izquierdo coming back fit as almost as good as a new signing. Yeah. Um, I saw he scored for the under 23s last night, which made me very giddy, uh, cause I just love him so much. So I'm glad to see him slowly easing back in. Um, I was searching for video on it. I don't think there any existed, but I was assuming it was agreed
1: about three or four touches with his right foot, a dip of a shoulder and then a curl far post.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it should be if it's against West Ham. He has form. <laughs> All right. That's all I got. Uh, Quick score prediction for Palace. Uh, I know it's two weeks away and who knows what could happen between then and now with teams and Corona, with Sadio Mane getting it this week, nobody's safe. So anyway, regardless of what transfer window moves may be made tomorrow and all that good stuff, who you got uh, with that result on October the 18th?
1: Um, Yeah, I I, um, I would have predicted a, a draw and then I saw them... I didn't see the highlights yet, but I thought they had been playing some decent football. And and then I just saw they got pasted. Uh, um, Well, I I saw the score. I haven't seen the highlights yet, but it was a little too early for me on the West coast. Um, So no, I mean, I think um, palace has always been a a lovely rival because they seem to beat the teams we need them to beat. And then they, they hand us almost full points. Most, most matches. So, um, so, I, I think we will, you know, it's going to be close. I, I would, in a non, I would say two, 2 1 is probably my, my prediction um, that we would uh, pull it out. I think we're due for a, a decent kind of defensive game. Um, so, and we've always done well against Saha. So, um, relatively speaking. <laughs> but, uh,
0: love it. Yeah. Love it. That's a good note to end on. Um, so, we'll wrap up there. Uh, thank you again tommy so much for coming on uh sharing your story and and having to take a take a look back at this uh this miserable afternoon on Mersey side um and yes. enjoy the international break enjoy a week off of uh of some soccer and i'm not sure what other sports you follow but uh yeah enjoy it have a good week off and we will uh we will chat again soon i'm sure
1: yeah. No, thanks Josh. It,
0: uh, I don't follow enough.
1: It was, it has been my distraction in a, a, a weird 2020 to say the least. So I'll, uh, it'll be missed for the next couple of weeks. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can say that again. Uh, any sports coming back is a lovely distraction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God forbid
1: I may have to watch basketball or something like that. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, perfect. So I'll let you go. Uh, have a great week and be safe out there. Keep safe. And, and we'll speak again soon
1: yeah yeah thanks josh Appreciate all right it.
0: thanks so much mate all right bud bye